This recording of an essay is for students who need a free audio version to listen to as they read. This essay is by Swan Burkett's Ladder. It was already there when I came around the side of the house. I saw it in that sidelong way you register one thing while looking for another. I was trying to find the man I had spoken to on the phone who had hired me for that day, and there he was, cross-legged on the grass, wearing a bright white t-shirt with a full head of silvery hair camera hair, though he didn't really look like the kind of older guy who would go to all the trouble. But maybe he was, because when he heard me coming and turned full face, I saw he was handsome, lady killer handsome, the way some older men are. And these men are always vain. He was cleaning paintbrushes. They were neatly lined up on a sheet of newspaper, and he didn't get up. He had strong-looking arms, maybe even an old-style ta tattoo. I was looking, staring at his face, but not so distracted that I didn't take in the other thing. Off to my right, propped up against the side of the house, going up, up in sections, was the tallest ladder I'd ever seen. I felt a bump in my stomach. I hadn't even really turned yet, or followed the ladder up into, into the light to see where the ends were propped up against the highest gable. I was still making my way across the grass, and the man, I don't remember his name anymore, was squinting up and saluting me, or maybe lifting his arm to block the sun, saying, here to do work? I nodded and I said I was. That was the deal. I'd been living on the edge all winter in our little seaside main town, buying dented canned goods at discount, and even signing on one day with my girlfriend, Sally, to deliver phone books in nearby Bedford, the mill we were required the mill town in which every other person was named Pelletier or Thibodeau. And we were required to check off the right recipient and address. Thibodeau, Thibodeau, Thibodeau. We quit after a day. Next, I put up a sign in our little cracker box post office offering my odd job services for a laughably low hourly rate. My logic? Who could resist? And now it was one of the first real spring days and this man had called with a job and my attention was evenly split between the shock of his seasoned movie star looks and my growing awareness of that ladder. Did I really, did I already know how it was with me in Heights? How could I not? I was in my early twenties and had done enough playing in trees and high places as a kid to have an idea. I'd always been a reluctant climber, though maybe I'd later chalk it off to as a fear outgrown as if a decade of not testing the edge would have made it go away. I don't know. I only know that the man, my boss, walked me over to where the ladder stood on its grips and showed me my bucket and brushes and handed me a rag that I tucked into my belt. But just before he did that, this comes back up with close-up clarity, he reached his thumb and forefinger into the two corners of his mouth and took out his teeth. Out! The whole apparatus! He pulled it from his mouth and held it up like one of those party jokes that you wind with a key. I looked away. I felt embarrassed. And when I glanced back, ah, I must have done a double take. Impossible. His face had completely fallen in on itself. The strong jaw was gone. The mouth was crimped like the top of a string bag. I watched as he bent down and set the teeth on another sheet of newspaper in the grass. When he straightened up, I was face to face with an old man with a thick groom head of silver hair. I don't know if he had any idea of the effect he had just achieved. 
He was standing with me by the ladder, telling me to make sure I got enough paint onto the wood, and I was nodding, agreeing, and already registering, I'm sure of it, that first nervous heaviness in my legs and that tightness in the chest that starts you drawing deep breaths as if a good deep rush of air will make everything better. And then I was on the ladder, starting a few rungs up, hauling the bucket with my left hand, the shore in sight, the ground still an easy jump. I had that instinct or instruction picked up somewhere to keep my gaze straight ahead, taking in the lapping shingles row by row. That voice said, don't look, just climb, which I did so carefully, every bit of my focus on my legs and hands and on keeping the line of the vertical steady. No twists or turns, just plant the foot on the rung and pull with my one free arm, the right arm, the other gripping the bucket, which I had I was to hang on a hook next to where I painted. And I was already telling myself the facts of the matter, that people did this all the time everywhere, that the ladder was strong, well planted at the base, and that little wobbles would naturally be magnified as sensations, that there would be no real danger, and even if I were to fall, I would not fall. It would be nothing more than a bad bump and some embarrassment at this point. So I stepped and pulled and steadied and watched myself in a slow, blurry sections pass by the frame of the first big window, which I knew was about halfway up. But here, the ordinary sequence stops. This upward progress was not happening in units anymore. Never mind the rungs lined up ahead of me. Somewhere between one step and another, the time stream balked, then stopped and started backing up. Every movement was suddenly breaking into its parts the one arm aware of itself lifting, wrapping its fingers around the metal of the next rung, the other hand feeling in its joint the cut of the handle, the weight of the bucket, the weathered shingles mere inches away now gathering onto the clearest detail, nail heads, streaks and smears and hardened little droplets of ancient paint, the ribbing of the wood grain visible under the color. Don't look down, just climb. And I could feel it then on my skin, up the armholes, the April wind, sweetly cool even in the spots of full sun, which I knew without looking was moving in and out of the behind the clouds. The moment of the shift, it comes now. I hear myself breathing and realize that I've stopped. I don't remember stopping, but all at once I know that I have been staring and staring at the same few warps and scratches. How long? I don't know. The window below me rattles in the breeze. I hear it. Suddenly, I can't help myself. I turn my head just slightly to the left, and I look down, mainly to see if the man, my boss, is still there somewhere, but also because I need to know where I am. I feel a kind of thud as the scene clicks in. Ground, grass. He's not anywhere on the left side, nor, I move my head so carefully as if that little action could make a difference, on the other. The lawn falls away in either direction, empty. I'm halfway up the side of the tallest house I've ever seen, and I'm alone. And that little twist of the neck was like breaking the seal. The calm, the focus, whatever story I was telling myself up there is gone. I take in the great wide lawn, and over there, tiny as a kit for dolls, the newspaper with its row of tiny brushes lined up, and one corner flipping up in the breeze. That repeating movement makes me feel sick. That and the ground all at once, so far away the wind now pulling at the back of my shirt, and I feel the fingers of my right hand tighten their grasp, and my chest and stomach push in harder against the rungs, 
what have I done? I can't unsee the distance down or lose the sense of the ladder shrinking away to nothing below me and above me. My hand hurts where I hold the metal, and now my knees go soft, just like that. I have the weight of the bucket in my other hand. For the first time, I think, let it go, just drop it. Drop it and reach up with that hand, as if maybe with both hands gripping, I can make it down. But somehow I can't make myself loosen the hold on the bucket or do anything, except close my eyes. Close my eyes and start to count, slowly. 1,001, 1,002. I don't know how high I get, but after enough numbers, I feel something in me settle. I say to myself, okay now, and I say that I can get my fingers to go loose, and then without ever taking them away from the ladder, I slide them along the run to the right-hand side and then down the metal slowly, clutching between thumb and forefinger until I reach the nearer rung, which I grab. And as I do, um, that I let my left leg loose to find the lower support. And this I find and lower the other leg, foot shuddering my torso inch by inch down the rungs, and again repeating the whole sequence, gaining just the first slight ease as the ground lifts slightly towards me again and again until I reach the first rung and take the backward step to earth, almost crazy with reaching it, bending to set the bucket down, letting go my other grip and straightening up slowly, and only then becoming aware of the man standing right in back of me. He's arrived from somewhere, and I know he's seen the whole of it, and at the same time I can feel that the fingers of my left hand, free from the clutch and the weight, are shaking, but I have no doubt, no question. Standing there, I notice where the shadows, mine, his, break from the grass against the side of the house. And I say to him without turning around, I can't go up that high. I didn't know it before. I wait a moment. When I finally turn and meet his eyes, he shrugs, saying basically, what can you do? He's wearing a painter's cap now, flecked with white paint. And I see that he's put his teeth back in. And he looks good. Not quite Paul Newman, but very handsome. Obviously a lady killer.